Hey everyone, welcome to episode 143 of 15 with Andy, Randy, and Jeff. Only the Andy and Randy are here today, but we have two special guests that we will introduce you to momentarily. You are what you eat. How many times have you heard that? Maybe when your mom told you one piece of pie was plenty, you'd already snuck a second piece and asked for a third? What if that same saying applied to worshiping God? Today, we welcome special guests, Dr. Jim Hart, president of the Weber Institute for Worship Studies, and Tammy Sinkamani, pastor for worship here at the Hospital Church. Thank and graduate both. from yeah. Weber and, Institute. That's right. That's right. Proud graduate. graduate. Yeah. Proud graduate. Your introduction this morning of Jim, I almost got a little teary-eyed. Yeah. I was like, that was very, I know I did. <laughs> that was very, very nice. And I didn't recognize myself. <laughs> that, is that a good or a bad thing? I don't know. I don't know. All right. Last week, we kind of led into this week and we talked about the right response to worship. And this week, we're talking about right worship again as part of the Lifelong Worship Conference and a whole weekend of activities here. And our worship outline this week made this statement. God calls us to worship and worship is the most important activity of any Christian. All right. Dr. Hart, assuming that you believe that statement to be accurate and, and true. Absolutely. Why is it that the activity that here is deemed most important is also one of the most hotly debated and fought over? I'm never going back to that church again. Those heathens enter whatever heretical worship element from drums to improper attire on the platform here. Why are the most important things seemingly always the most controversial and divisive? Every denomination, every church fights over in some way, shape or form. Why is that? Oh, my word. Uh, That's a whole that's a series of dissertations right there. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, I mean, one ground of beginning the conversation is the enemy of our souls. The Satan mm-hmm. is the divider of the brethren. So why wouldn't he take the most important thing that we do and make that the most divisive thing that we do mm-hmm. also? Good you know, point. I think of Jesus' high priestly prayer in John 17. His high priestly prayer was that we may be one as he and the Father are one, and that through that unity the world will know that Christ was sent by God. Hmm. The whole Christian thing. So why wouldn't Satan start with that? Hmm. We'll start dividing the brethren in any way we can so there's, there's no unity. I do think worship is the source and summit of the entire Christian life. And uh, so as we worship, so we are, as our brother mm-hmm. said today, and that's that's absolutely true. Wow. So you, you, what you worship, you become. As we worship, we are. So we worship Jesus, we, we become like Jesus. So who's the one who doesn't want us to be like Jesus? Mm. <laughs> wow. Mm. Like politics, follow the money. Here, follow the devil. What does he? What does, what does he want us to do? Because I think we've always heard so much about. Well, that isn't worship, or that isn't mm-hmm. worship. If you do this, that's not worship. That's you supplying your own need for whatever it makes you, or how it makes you feel good, or that thing you're trying to attain that you think is out there that, and you call it worship. How do we define worship? Is there one way that we can define worship? Because I feel like there's so many fragmented pieces. You go to any different church and this will be worship. This will be worship. This will be worship. Are those Mm -hmm. all wrong or can worship just take many different forms? Because I feel like if we don't understand what worship is, we get lost and it's very easy to say, to just brush it aside and say, what you do, that's not important because that's not worship. But what I do Mm -hmm. Because maybe it's just my preference, that's worship. How do we compartmentalize this or understand what it is so that maybe we can be more open to letting people worship in a way that makes them connect with God? I wonder if part of it isn't, you know, we got to let God out of the box. 
I mean, I think mm. we try to believe that we completely understand who God is. And if we completely <laughs> understand who God is, then God obviously does things the way I do it. Oh, yeah. And um, and, and so, I mean, I, I think part of that is just allowing the understanding that we can't fully comprehend everything mm. that is God. And so we have to allow for different expressions, different understandings. I mean, that's, I don't mm. know, I just wonder if maybe that might help. It's like last week we talked a little bit about how it was really about giving our attention to God. Of course, Catherine Campbell's book about without mentioning ourselves. <laughs> the <laughs> tough know. part of that situation, that's but, hard. But being able to really think about giving him our attention and focusing on him as opposed to other places to focus. Mm-hmm. But you you, yeah. you gave a definition today of worship. Well, yeah, knowing who God is and defining God, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas said, if, if you think you know God, that's not God. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <Yeah>. Exactly. <laughs> So I did give a definition of, of, of definition sort of by just saying worship is growing in Christ-likeness and becoming more and more like Christ and us decreasing so he can increase in us. I thought that was a great a great piece that I had never connected with worship. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole I must decrease and he must increase. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I thought that was just a really neat aspect of, you know, just our regular practice of worship individually and corporately. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, in many ways, worship and spiritual formation are, they're two hands of the same thing. Mm -hmm. Worship is a source and summit of the entire Christian life. The rest of it is spiritual formation, how we go about developing the virtues that God wants to see developed in us so that we become more like him. Mm. And that does take effort. It's it's not, it's not something that necessarily comes naturally. There is great, I mean, it's all from grace first. Right, we're not saved by our works. We're right. saved by grace first. But that grace then is developed and and it's caused something else. Yeah. yeah, yeah, through through development of virtues. I think the whole the whole concept of I must decrease and he must increase mm-hmm. is so different than a lot of churches. Uh, a lot of times, we as churches are guilty of I must increase. Mm-hmm. I must increase. Mm-hmm. I must increase. Yep. You know, I got to increase mm-hmm. in numbers and size and mm-hmm. attendance and right. offerings, and mm-hmm. as opposed to wait a second, we're really about us decreasing and him increasing. Yeah, so that's, that's right. That's right. right. Yeah. Disappearing as they say in the Latin phrase, it's, it's in persona Christi Capitas, in the person of Christ the head. That's who we disappear into. Right. So that he emerges as Christ the head of the church. I mean, we're not the head of the church. No. Thank yeah. God for that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Be bad shape if we were the head of the church. I like that definition though, because I wrote down while you were speaking, can our worship truly lead us to be more Christ-like? And what does that look like? Because it sounds really, really good. Mm-hmm. When someone is worshiping in a way that would lead them there, what does that look like? For someone that's listening that says, man, that sounds great. And I want to believe it, but I've never worshiped in a way that, I mean, I've come to church, I've done singing songs, we've done prayer. We've even done maybe some experiential prayer. We've done different things. And I feel like maybe I was worshiping a couple times this way or that way, but what do I do to continue to be more Christ-like? Because I think with that definition, that's a great invitation. That makes me want to do that other than just, well, I guess I'm going to church and we'll do what the programming says we're going to do. This makes me want to approach the programming and make it my own. And then towards a goal, what does that look like? How, what's ways that we can help people realize this as a goal and to maybe not be discouraged along the way? Well, if it's mm-hmm. product of worship, okay. then you worship. I mean, <laughs> that's pretty simple. That was, that was deep, well, Andy. I, mean, well, I, I think our, t- our tendency, I think our tendency as Christians is to go off fighting head on battles with things as opposed to yeah. saying, I'm, I'm going to worship God and let him have, let that affect my life in the way that he mm-hmm. intends it to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. 
I would say the word uh, as a word as it's preached, proclaimed to us, and as it's, it's going to be challenging to, for us to live that word out in our lives, and then we we celebrate that, or we find ways to bring it, bring that to action and closure through the table, mm-hmm. and find mm-hmm. ways to celebrate the presence of, of Christ in the bread and wine, which then tra- changes us into Christ to become Christ for the world. Yeah. So. All worship not only is this about spiritual formation; it's also about mission. So mm-hmm. everything we do is missional, exactly. to sending us out into the world to to draw the world to Christ as well. We might I, want to just go out and love people into lifelong friends. There you go. There you go. That's, that's, that's love mission God, love statement. That's, that's three out of four weeks. You are on a roll. I like I'm that. not going to let you miss it. Tell I, me, go ahead. I, I just I love you know the the phrase that you used about you know being broken for the world, mm-hmm. and I do think that I don't remember who I heard somebody say life is worship one time, mm-hmm. and that's that's kind of a heavy thing for me to think about. It's like, okay, how is my life worship? But I do think if we are, if we understand that we are to be broken for this world, then I think our response as we leave this place, um, how we treat others, how we serve others, I think that is all a continued response to worship in our daily life. And I, Mm. to me, that's how worship continues to manifest throughout, you know, not just that, hour or two hours on, you know, <laughs> to see ourselves morning. as broken bread and poured right. out wine. Exactly. You know, for the world. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. you can't love God unless you love your brother and sister. There's yeah. no way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, Tammy, that was one thing I wanted to ask you about specifically being that you are the worship pastor here and you are taking these things and people like to use the word programming or program. And I mean, it, it is by definition a program and there are sure. things that you program into it. And when I said it just a couple minutes ago, it kind of made me, un- eh, I, don't, I don't like, I don't like that word because I feel programmatic about it, <laughs> but for the people that have done church and then moved on and for whatever, well, they just care about putting butts in the seats. They mm-hmm. just want my money. They want these things. And they're programming you with certain things to do so that you react a certain way. How do we at the hospital church and you specifically, how do you approach taking elements of worship and putting them all together in something that obviously resembles a program, but is much more intentional than people might at the, at the surface just take for granted. Because you can feel when you've been at a place where there's been thoughtful, prayerful worship happening, and you've been at another place where there's a list of things, and that truly is a program. Yeah. We, we, we marked them off the list. We're upstairs going, yep, they did that. You're next. Up, up, up. And <laughs> we finished our stuff, and we got done on yeah. time. Everyone's happy they go home. <laughs> But I feel like worship didn't necessarily happen for everyone. How do you go about that process? And Or is it, if it's a team of people that makes that happen, what does that look like here? Because I feel like here we really do worship every week. Yeah. Well, two things that you said that I think are really of premium importance. The first thing is prayerfully approach it. I mean, I do think... A lot of churches, unfortunately, feel like the Holy Spirit is a procrastinator all the time. <laughs> and right. so, oh, you know, yeah. And he, I, and he's I, not? The Holy Spirit's not? No. But he can. No. I don't think he ever is, but he or she is. And I do think that sometimes the Holy Spirit is spontaneous, and that's a wonderful thing. Personally, I think it's easier to, and I think, you know, we communicated about yeah. this. It's yeah. easier to be spontaneous if you have intentionality. Mm-hmm. But so I think, I think. We have got, we have got to understand that it is not about us, that it's really not us doing Mm, the planning. We have got to be servants Mm, of the Holy Spirit's leading and of God's agenda, because if it's not that, then it becomes a show. I remember one time somebody said to me, um, thinking they were complimenting me, you have the best show in town. Oh no. Oh, and no. I just, I really just wanted to slip my wrist right there and just go, <laughs> okay. you know, and I tried to do a little education on the spot, but I do think that 
that if we prayerfully approach it, and the other thing is the team. I mean, I there's no way, and I'm sure that there are probably churches that were that one person has to do this every week. Yeah. I don't know how that's possible. I am so thankful for the team that I work with, mm-hmm. the creative minds, the dedication to authenticity, to relevance, mm-hmm. that we get together every week. We debrief what we did last week. We look forward to the coming week. You know, we have worship committee that meets irregularly. Wish they met more regularly. But... Um, but there's a lot of people speaking into the process, which I think is really, really important because the Holy Spirit speaks to different people in different ways. Yeah, and there'll be some absolutely. brilliant ideas. I also love the fact that Andy loves to surprise people. So I am always <laughs> challenged to, and again, not for the effect, but just so that people understand that there's something spectacular about mm. coming to worship. Mm. This is a celebration. This is something that I want to go to because this is meaningful and there's intentionality brought into that. So I don't know if that answers right. well, your question. But. And when we are creative, we are most like our creator. Correct. And yes. so that's, I think right. that's really key. And when you said prayerfully considering ahead and thinking through what we're going to be planning, Without that, it does become just a program and just a show. Right, right, exactly. And so it has to, while the Holy Spirit can show up at the spur of the moment and do amazing, spectacular, wonderful things, Mm -hmm. I don't think he disvalues planning. No, no, no. no. We're planning around a God who is transcendent, right? Right, (laughs) right, right. So I think Annie Dillard had it right when she said, if we really, really, really understand God, we'd be passing out crash helmets at the door. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. I love Mark Laberton's book, The Dangerous Act of Worship, because it it is, it's like. It's dangerous. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And and I like the day useless. That was, that was, that was great. Yes, yes, (laughs) yes. So, Jim, you mentioned this morning that you travel to a lot of different churches Mm -hmm. and you speak. And what's the one thing you wish that every one in every church understood better about worship? If there was one thing, if someone's listening and they've had this experience in the past where they don't really know, my suggestion is come to the Florida Hospital Church. But not, you know, (laughs) that, that, you know, if, if you can't do that, what's the thing that you wish that they could do that would maybe be most impactful? To say we're in a place where we're just kind of in a rut, we're just we're, we don't really plan. We're in a program. What's the one thing they can do that would? And you've seen these churches and you've been in them. What's the one thing you think would help them? Just maybe it's a realization of something or a practice of something that would help them break out of that rut. <laughs> well, I would say um, this might be considered two or three things, but um, fastest right. is the same thing. We can go ten if you need. <laughs> for, for, uh, first of all, worship is about God. Mm-hmm. You know, right. Big mm-hmm. big surprise there. Yeah. <laughs> worship is about God, but it's about a cosmic God. It's not the God who is giving a, who, um, we're not worshiping in the context of our little local church here. Mm-hmm. We're worshiping in the context of a cosmic mm-hmm. uh, family mm-hmm. of, of God that is not only global, but it's, it's, it expands time as well. Mm-hmm. So I wish people would get out of the parochial mindset of this is about what we're doing here that's so important. No, it's about what God has done and we're, we're participating in this global cosmic God in worship. So worship is cosmic. It's not just parochial. Now, there has to be some parochiality to it, you know, of course. Sure. But it's by the cosmic God. So we need to have that orientation toward toward what God is, is doing now globally and what he's done forever globally and what he will do globally. So getting kind of out of the parochial mindset, I think, is really important. Yeah. Man, I like that because mm-hmm. I hadn't thought about – I mean – 
you kind of say it and you think about it, like we just said, there's other churches you've gone to where you realized, I don't really feel like I'm worshiping and I do here. So maybe that's part of that theme or part of the realization. Mm -hmm. But to think about it outside of what's happening just here and realize that there Mm -hmm. is so much more that we're missing if we're just concentrating inward. Yeah. Like, like if we say prayers, for example, in church, for any, anybody who has a hangnail this week, uh, raise your hand. And we're praying for hangnails in church. I mean, that would derail worship. Why? Because it's only talking about one specific issue for one specific group of people. Instead of, so it's a parochialized, I'm not sure if this is a real word, but parochialization yes. of, uh, mm-hmm. of spirituality. Mm-hmm. Instead, instead of narrowing. The, yeah. Narrowing, yeah. right. Yeah. Instead of keeping the cosmic understanding of what, of what we're doing. Yeah. Not that hangnails aren't important. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Dear audience, yeah. if you want to use that word, I think it's now trademarked. So you're going to have to talk to here about right. getting the, uh, yeah. getting the Send me all the residuals. <laughs> Send me the residuals. Well, I like that because I think if that's one thing that somebody could concentrate on, even in your, as a person, to realize that it's not just God and me. Hmm. And there's so much more that I could be praying for. There's so many more things I could be aware of. Even in my community, it's almost the same with the church. It's globalization. Personally, it's not just my house, my family, my immediate or friends. It's my whole community, if you think about it in that way, that there's things that we could be doing personally on that level. Yeah, maybe mm-hmm. like a church without walls. Fully engaged in certain people in this community. Now you have our mission and our vision. Still going. What was that, about 385 feet in? Left field, over the left field wall. Oh, my goodness. That was fantastic. All right. Well, we could probably be here for the next 45 minutes if we didn't try too hard and maybe longer if we <laughs> did. But one of our FHC Techaways this week asked, name three ways in which you can be more thankful to God and worship for his extravagant love toward us. What are some application points for you in seeing worship as serious play? And I read that and I thought, well, that's really simple. That's that's easy. But then as I started to really think this over and try to come up with three and I'm putting air quotes so you can't see them, meaningful applications, it becomes a lot more difficult. Stop and think about how you see, feel, and interact with God through worship. Admittedly, when I started, I struggled in coming up with nothing more than an obvious corporate worship angle, which was really lame. So that was one. And then the next two wasn't as easy for those. And I would challenge each of us this week to prayerfully answer these questions for ourselves and then apply them to our very being and methodology of how we worship God ourselves and corporately when mm-hmm. we come to church each week. Well, and if we could just make ourselves stop throughout the week, yeah. just for a second or two, and think about how is what I'm doing now part of worship? Yeah. And it, I think it could become a lot more play, a lot more mm-hmm. chick sent me highs flow, you know, just mm-hmm. we just we, we get into it. It's just part of who we are. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. From my, my dissertation work, I do morning prayer and evening prayer every day. And in some ways, my day is planned around prayer instead of, instead of planning nice. prayer around my day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Figuring out where I work and fit it. Oh, that's that, cool. To a certain extent, yeah, I still I have to kind of, I'm not a monastic, so to a certain extent, <laughs> I still have to fit it in you know, yeah. where I can. <laughs> right, right. But it structures my day. And that's been hugely important for me. I would imagine. I love it. All right. Our final thoughts are from Jim's message where he said, why relentlessly gather to worship and word and table every week? Why allow yourselves to be transformed into Christ-like virtue? Why fall in love with God and our brothers and sisters? Why? To become once again the body of Christ, broken and poured out for the life of the world. Mm -hmm. For the life of the world, that brings Mm -hmm. new meaning to the thought of, Worship isn't just something we engage in once in a while. We should be engaged in it each and every day. Like last week, we talked about 24-7 mm-hmm. that we would, mm-hmm. it's biblical. It's something mm-hmm. God calls us to. And now we know we should just be doing it for the life of the world. Add all those together 
and you've got a pretty powerful start to your week. Mm-hmm. So keep that in mind. All right, upcoming this week, what's what's coming up? New series uh, starts this weekend called The Bold, Bold Ask. Ask. The Bold Ask. It's, the Bold it's, Ask. It's a series of five, I think, sermon uh, requests of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And the first one is The Bold Ask of the Demons. Oh, the bold ask of the demons. For my daughter, it's the bold ask, can I have TV time? You know, it can be a little different for everyone. All right. Uh, I want to say thank you, Tammy. I know you've you've been here before, but thank you so much for taking time out to be with us. Dr. Hart, appreciate you being here and giving us your expertise. Please do, if you've missed the message, please do go back and watch it. The whole message and everything that went into it was really, really good. And if you're a Jaguar fan, maybe <laughs> may, maybe skip it. But, you know, that's we're going to invite everyone else to watch the message. So thank you guys both for being here. Andy, you're here every week. Uh. So, you know. All right. That's going to do it for this week. So as always, do join us again next Wednesday for episode 144. Thank you for listening and have a great week.